Good morning. Today is Sunday, the 26th of May, 2019. It is the sixth Sunday of Easter. If you are looking at the readings and you see that our readings are different than readings found somewhere else, the disparity might be that um, these are the readings assigned for the daily office. The readings assigned for the lectionary, the readings that we have in church at the Holy Eucharist worship service, are different. And so um, being in the daily office year one, our readings for today are, or for this morning, are Psalms 93 and 96, Ecclesiasticus, or the Wisdom of Jesus, Son of Sirach, chapter 43, verses 1 through 12, and 27 through 32, 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 4, 5, and the Gospel of Matthew 13, 24 through 34a. It should be noted here that the book titled Ecclesiasticus, or the Wisdom of Jesus, Son of Sirach, is abbreviated different ways in different places. So my Bible calls it Sirach, but the Book of Common Prayer abbreviates it E-C-C-L-U-S dot. So just to clear up some confusion there. And I'd also like to uh, read a little bit about that book as we begin. As I talked about a couple days ago, I'm always kind of interested in the Apocrypha because they're not something that I had a lot of exposure to before I joined the Episcopal Church uh, just shy of four years ago. So let's read what my commentary has to say about it in the introduction. In modern tradition, the book goes by three names that reflect three of its major language traditions. In most Greek manuscripts, it bears the title, The Wisdom of Jesus, Son of Sirach. Latin manuscripts generally have the Book of Jesus, Son of Sirach, but is known in the Latin tradition as Ecclesiasticus, quote, belonging to the church, end quote, a title that reflects its place in the Christian scripture, scriptural canon. No title proper survives in the ancient Hebrew manuscripts, but one medieval manuscript from the Cairo Geniza preserves an apparent title. The Wisdom of Yeshua, son of Eleazar, son of Sirah. The rabbis refer to it as the book or instruction of Ben Sirah. In modern use, the shortened Sirach can refer to the Greek tradition or to the entire book, and Ben Sirah to the sage himself, to the Hebrew tradition, or to the entire book. So a lot of names here, interestingly enough. And then let's see... Let's talk about its canonical status. Sirach was never included in the Jewish canon, yet some ancient Jews accorded it significance as the fragmentary manuscripts found among the Dead Sea Scrolls and at Masada show. Even later rabbinic authorities continued to cite it. The Greek translation made by Ben Sirach's grandson became part of the larger collection of translations called the Septuagint, Sorry, you guys know my pronunciation sucks. Hopefully you can just look beyond that. Which comprised the scriptures of the early Christian church. Roman Catholics and Orthodox Christians whose traditions have followed this Septuagint have Sirach in their Old Testament among the wisdom books. 
The usual order is Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Son of Solomon, Wisdom of Solomon, and Sirach slash Ecclesiasticus, the book we're talking about right here. Sirach is not in the Protestant canon. During the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther thought that the books of Christian scripture should match those of the Jewish Bible. He relegated Sirach, along with other deuterocanonical books, to the so-called Apocrypha, and in his German translation he placed them between the Old and New Testaments, where they are located in many modern Protestant editions of the Bible. And let's talk a little bit about the author, date, and historical context. This is all I'm reading directly from the introduction to this book um, in the fifth edition of the New Oxford Annotated Bible, which is a new revised standard version with the Apocrypha, of course. It's an ecumenical study Bible. Um, it is the one that one of the professors at Tulane, who's a mentor of mine, uses to teach. Sirach is one of only a few early Jewish texts in which the author identifies himself. In chapter 50, verse 27, he gives his name as Yeshua, Joshua or Jesus, son of Eleazar, son of Sirah. The Greek translation of the verse identifies him as a Jer Jerusalemite. He further indicates that he operated a house of instruction, where he trained young men for careers as scribes and sages, likely to work in the official bureaucracy as he did. Ben Sirah wrote in Hebrew about 180 BCE, a date that can be deduced from several pieces of evidence. I'm skipping along a little bit. Ben Sira's time was one of political turmoil. Around 200 BCE, he experienced the transfer of control of ancient Judea from the Ptolemaic Empire in Egypt to that of the Seleucids in Syria. After a period of relative calm, the Romans defeated, defeated the Seleucid ruler Antiochus III and, produced, and placed a heavy financial indemnity on him that his son Seleucus IV inherited. This situation likely re resulted in economic hardship in Judea as Seleucus tried to raise funds for repayment. As a literate scribe and sage, Ben Sira would likely have worked for the priestly aristocracy that ruled Judea in this period, and he holds a very high view of the scribe-slash-sage within Judean society. He expresses strong support for temple rituals and the Jerusalem priesthood, and he portrays Simon II as an ideal high priest. Otherwise, specific references to contemporary events are difficult to identify, although his comments on kings and rulers may point to his attitude toward foreign domination of Judea. A scribe of Ben Sira's caliber might also travel extensively outside of Judea, perhaps in an official capacity. Like all ancient literature, the wisdom of Ben Sira is a product of its time. It reflects the social presumption and mores of Ben Sira's world, the early 2nd century BCE. His views on women, children, and slaves especially reflect that time period, views that modern readers will not generally share. I would hope not, and I would insert here that I'm glad that the commentary introduces the book this way, and I think we would all do well to remember the context of the times in which these books were written that would flavor the interpretation of the flavor and, and perhaps distort in some cases the message of the Holy Spirit. We have to remember that the onus to speak in a way that the message can be received sometimes means that there are additional filters put on or taken off that we need to be aware of as we re read scripture. You know, it's kind of cheesy, but I always say you read with your Holy Spirit lenses on. 
And sometimes that means kind of having x-ray vision to see through some of the context. Sometimes that means having additional um, lenses on so that we can translate into the context of our current times. But it, it means that, that the writers wrote within the context of their period. That kind of makes sense, right? And I think it's something that's good to be aware of. So that being said, Bensira lived in a society that was governed by the values of honor and shame. A man's material wealth, along with his ability to control other culturally defined elements, such as his women, his political influence, and his reputation, determined his social standing. Maintaining that honor required constant vigilance. So while women, children, and slaves had little or no opportunity to gain honor for themselves, they had a significant impact on a man's honor. Bensira's teaching must be understood within his social context. Again, an important point in my perspective. And let me just say this really clearly. I think it's shameful when racists, misogynists, and otherwise twisted thoughts um, of twisted of people who experience our world in twisted ways then further take the Bible and twist it to suit their means. I will state very clearly, probably many times, I was about to say once and for all, but probably many times in our speaker-listener, um, well, that's not really a relationship, whatever you want to call this relationship that we have, folks, I'll probably state it many times that God never intended, and I, I know this like so deep within my bones, God never intended the Bible to be used as a tool to keep folks in bondage, be they women or people of color or people of um, any sort of different context seen as the other, um, LGBTQ community, children, whatever it is, um, whatever the group is that's being discriminated against, God did not intend the Bible to be used to further discrimination. So if we could just kind of throw that out the window as we're talking, that would be totally awesome. I will address it where I feel like it needs to be addressed in terms of our social context, which in my humble opinion has been regressing for a few years now. Um, but other than that, let's just try to view it with the lenses of the Holy Spirit to help us translate. Amen? Amen. Let us then begin our time of prayer. I think that is enough introduction <laughs> for today. Thank you. Um, we will be using, as we have been for a while now, a combination of the Episcopal Book of Common Prayer and the supplemental liturgical materials found in Enriching Our Worship Volumes 1 and also 2. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation, and so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship, him, worship God, 
Let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us, forgive us all our sins through Jesus Christ, strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. O God, be not far from us. Come quickly to help us, O God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Christ is risen. O come, let us worship. Alleluia. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise to the Lord a shout with psalms. For you are a great God. You are great above all gods. In your hand are the caverns of the earth, and the heights of the hills are yours also. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For you are our God, and we are the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand. Oh, that today we would hearken to your voice. Alleluia, Christ is risen. O come, let us worship. Alleluia. Psalm 93. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is girded with strength. He has established the world. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. More majestic than the thunders of mighty waters, more majestic than the waves of the sea. Majestic on high is the Lord. Your decrees are very sure. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Psalm 96. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor, honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. 
Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. The world is firmly established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the earth with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Ecclesiasticus, or Jesus, son of Sirach, chapter 43, verses 1 through 12 and 27 through 32. The pride of the higher realms is the clear vault of the sky, as glorious to behold as the sight of the heavens. The sun, when it, when it appears, proclaims as it rises, what a marvelous instrument it is, the work of the Most High. At noon it parches the land, and who, and who can withstand its burning heat? A man tending a furnace works in burning heat, but three times as hot as the sun scorching the mountains, it breathes out fiery vapors, and its bright rays blind the eyes. Great is the Lord who made it. At his orders, it hurries on its course. It is the moon that marks the changing seasons, governing the times, their everlasting sign. From the moon comes the sign for festal days, a light that wanes when it completes its course. The new moon, as its name suggests, renews itself. How marvelous it is in this change, a beacon to the hosts on high, shining in the vault of the heavens. The glory of the stars is the beauty of heaven, a glittering array in the heights of the Lord. On the orders of the Holy One, they stand in their appointed places. They never relax in their watches. Look at the rainbow and praise him who made it. It is exceedingly beautiful in its brightness. It encircles the sky with its glorious arc. The hands of the Most High have stretched it out. We could say more, but could never say enough. Let the final word be, he is the all. Where can we find the strength to praise him? For he is greater than all his works. Awesome is the Lord and very great and marvelous is his power. Glorify the Lord and exalt him as much as you can, for he surpasses even that. When you exalt him, summon all your strength and do not grow weary, for you cannot praise him enough. Who has seen him and can describe him, or who can extol him as he is? Many things greater than these lie hidden, for I have seen but a few of his works. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle A, A Song of Wisdom Wisdom freed from a nation of oppressors, a holy people and a blameless race. She entered the soul of a servant of the Lord, withstood dread rulers with wonders and signs. To the saints she gave, to the, saints she gave the reward of their labors and led them by a marvelous way. She was their shelter by day and a blaze of stars by night. She brought them across the Red Sea. 
she led them through mighty waters. But their enemies she swallowed in the waves and spewed them out from the depths of the abyss. And then, Lord, the righteous sang hymns to your name and praised with one, with one voice your protecting hand. For wisdom opened the mouths of the mute and gave speech to the tongues of a newborn people. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Reading from 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 14, through chapter 4, verse 5. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these instructions to you so that, if I am delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and bulwark of the truth. Without any doubt, the mystery of our religion is great. He was revealed in flesh, vindicated in spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among Gentiles, believed in throughout the world, taken up in glory. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will renounce the faith by paying attention to deceitful spirits and teaching of demon, teachings of demons, through the hypocrisy of liars whose conscience, consciences are seared with a hot iron. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected, provided it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by God's word and by prayer. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle M, A Song of Faith Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By divine mercy we have a new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have an inheritance that is imperishable in heaven. The ransom that was paid to free us was not paid in silver or gold, but in the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb without spot or stain. God raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory so that we might have faith and hope in God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 34a. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed, weed, and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, 
but when it has grown it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed, found on page 41 of Enriching Our Worship 1. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. I'm going to, as I did yesterday, um, substitute, actually I think yesterday I read the suffrages and the prayers for healing. I'm going to today substitute the suffrages for prayers for healing, which are found in Enriching Our Worship, Volume 2. I am going to start on page 31. And then I'm going to follow that up with all of the pray suggested prayers for those who are sick, starting on page 64. So, um, yeah, we're going to continue persevering in prayer for healing. Healing, all kinds of healing. Individual healing, community healing, healing of our world, healing of our nation or nations. I think I might have some folks who don't live in America who who listen to this, so all of that. We're going to pray all the prayers. Just kidding, I know it's not all the prayers, but all the listed prayers. Um, let's see, our response today after each petition is going to be here and have mercy, which I take a little bit of dissension. No, that's not the right word. I disagree just slightly with that because uh, I know that God always hears us and God always has mercy, but... Um, I can't really think of any better words at the moment, and those are the listed responses. So, let us name before God those for whom we offer our prayers, and I invite you to do so right now. Holy and mighty, wellspring of, wellspring of abundant life, hear and have mercy. Holy immortal one, protector of the faithful, hear and have mercy. Holy Trinity, the source of all wholeness, hear and have mercy. 
Blessed Jesus, your holy name is medicine for healing and a promise of eternal life. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, descendant of David, you healed all who came to you in faith. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, child of Mary, you embrace the world with your love. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, divine physician, you sent your disciples to preach the gospel and heal in your name. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, our true mother, you feed us the milk of your compassion. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, Son of God, you take away our sin and make us whole. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, eternal Christ, your promised spirit renews our hearts and minds. Hear and have mercy. Grant your grace to heal those who are sick, we pray to you, O God. Hear and have mercy. Give courage and faith to all who are disabled through injury or illness. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Comfort, relieve, and heal all sick children. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Give courage to all who await surgery. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Support and encourage those who live with chronic illness. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Strengthen those who endure continual pain and give them hope. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Grant the refreshment of peaceful sleep to all who suffer. We pray you, O God, hear and have mercy. Befriend all who are anxious, lonely, despondent, or afraid. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Restore those with mental illness to clarity of mind and hopefulness of heart. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Give rest to the weary and hold the dying in your loving arms. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Help us to prepare for death with confident expectation and hope of Easter joy. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Give your wisdom and compassion to healthcare workers that they may minister to the sick and dying with knowledge, skill, and kindness. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Uphold those who keep watch with the sick. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Guide those who search for the causes and cures of sickness and disease. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Jesus, Lamb of God, hear and have mercy. Jesus, bearer of our sins, hear and have mercy. Jesus, Redeemer of the world, hear and have mercy. Let's say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Compassionate God, you so loved the world that you sent us Jesus to bear our infirmities and afflictions. Through acts of healing, he revealed you as the true source of health and salvation. For the sake of your Christ, who suffered and died for us, conquered death and now reigns with you in glory, hear the cry of your people. Have mercy on us, make us whole, and bring us at last into the fullness of your eternal life. Amen. As we say together these prayers for those who are sick, keep in mind that I have substituted the names which you would usually insert here for your children to encompass all of God's people, which are all of humanity. If there are particular names or people that you would like to adapt these prayers to speak for or to or on behalf of, please do so. These are found on page 64 of Enriching Our Worship, Volume 2. May God the Father bless you, God the Son heal you, God the Holy Spirit give you strength. May God the Holy and Undivided Trinity guard your body, save your soul, and bring you safely to his heavenly country, where he lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, watch with us over your children and hear our yearning that they may be restored to health through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Gentle Jesus, stay beside your children through this day. Take away their pain. Keep them safe. Help them in their fear. Make their body strong again and their heart glad. Thank you for your love which surrounds them always. Amen. Jesus, our Redeemer, Good Shepherd of the sheep, you gather the lambs and carry them in your arms. We entrust our children to your loving care. Relieve their pain, restore in them your gifts of joy and strength, and raise them up to a life in your service. Hear us, we pray, for your dear name's sake. Amen. Gentle Jesus, though we are not worthy to have you come under our roof, you are God's word of healing to us. Be with us now that we may know your presence in one another and rise up in joy to greet you. Grant this for your love's sake. Amen. Blessed Jesus, living water, solid rock, uphold your, your children. Loose the fetters of sickness, break their yoke of pain, and from this land of affliction, Lead them home. Amen. Loving God, your heart overflows with compassion for your whole creation. Pour out your spirit on all persons living with illness for which we have no cure, as well as their families and loved ones. Help them to know that you claim them as your own. Deliver them from fear and pain. And send your archangel Raphael to minister to their needs. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. 
Merciful God, in your love and wisdom, you know the needs and fears of your people before we can name them. Grant that all your children and those who watch with them may be enabled to surrender all their cares to you as you care for them. Give them peace of mind and unshakable trust in you. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Blessed Jesus, in your last agony, you commended your spirit to your Father. We seek your mercy for your children and all who are dying. May death become them as it was for you. May death become for them as it was for you, a birth to everlasting life. Receive those whom we commend to you with the blessed assurance that whether we wake or sleep, we remain with you, one God, forever. Amen. Merciful God, whose son Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus, look with compassion on all who are bound by sorrow and pain through the death of your loved ones. Comfort them, grant them the conviction that all things work together for good to those who love you, and help them to find sure trust and confidence in your resurrection power. Through Jesus Christ, our Deliverer. Amen. In your tender mercies, O God, remember they who expect or have just received a grave diagnosis. Help them to trust in your goodness and believe that after a time of trial, they shall be established on the firm foundation of your deliverance. Amen. God of all comfort, our very present help in trouble, be near to those for whom our prayers are offered. Look on them with the eyes of your mercy. Comfort them with a sense of your presence. Preserve them from the enemy and give them patience in their affliction. Restore them to health and lead them to your eternal glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Christ, light of light, brightness indescribable, the wisdom, power, and glory of God, the Word made flesh, you overcame the forces of Satan, redeemed the world, then ascended again to the Father. Grant your children, we pray, in this tarnished world, the shining of your splendor. Send your Archangel Michael to defend them, to guard their going out and coming in, and to bring them safely to your presence, where you reign in the one holy and undivided Trinity, to ages of ages. Amen. Blessed Jesus, in the comfort of your love, we lay before you the memories that haunt your children, the anxieties that perplex them, the despair that frightens them, and their frustration at their inability to think clearly. Help them to discover your forgiveness in their memories and know your peace in their distress. Touch them, O Lord, and fill them with your light and your hope. Amen. I'm going to insert here a prayer for the victims of addiction found on, the, on page 831 of the Book of Common Prayer. O blessed Lord, you ministered to all who came to you. Look with compassion upon all who through addiction have lost their health and freedom. Restore to them the assurance of your unfailing mercy. Remove from them the fears that beset them. Strengthen them in the work of their recovery. And to those who care for them, 
Give patient understanding and persevering love. Amen. God, the strength of the weak and the comfort of those who suffer, hear our prayers and grant your children the power of your grace, that their sickness may be turned into health and our sorrow into joy. For Jesus Christ's sake, amen. Spirit of all healing, visit your children. In your power, renew health within them and raise them up in joy according to your loving kindness, for which we give thanks and praise. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Gracious God, only source of life and health, help, comfort, and relieve your children, and give your power of healing to those who minister to their needs, that their weakness may be turned to strength and confidence in your loving care. For the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. O God, our refuge and strength, in this place of unrelenting light and noise, enfold your children in your holy darkness and silence, that they may rest secure under the shadow of your wings. Amen. Sanctify, O Lord, the sickness of your children, that the sense of their weakness may add strength to their faith and seriousness to their repentance, and grant that they may live with you in everlasting life, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Loving God, we pray that you will comfort your children in their suffering, lend skill to the hands of their healers, and bless the means used for their cure. Give them such confidence in the power of your grace that even when they are afraid, they may put their whole trust in you through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Strengthen your servants, O God, to go where they have to go and bear what they have to bear, that accepting your healing gifts at the hands of surgeons, nurses, and technicians, they may be restored to wholeness with a thankful heart. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Holy One, you do not distance yourself from the pain of your people. But in Jesus, bear that pain with us and bless all who suffer at others' hands. Hallow our flesh and all creation. With your cleansing love, bring healing and strength to them. Oh, I'm sorry. Bring healing and strength to your children. And by your justice, lift them up, that in the body you have given them, they may again rejoice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord Christ, you came into the world as one of us and suffered as we do. As we go through the trials of life, help us to realize that you are with us at all times and in all things, that we have no secrets from you, and that your loving grace enfolds us for eternity. In the security of your embrace, we pray. Amen. God, your loving kindness never fails and your mercies are new every morning. We thank you for giving your children relief from pain and hope of health renewed. Continue the good work begun in them, that increasing daily in wholeness and strength, they may rejoice in your goodness and so order their life always to think and do that which pleases you. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. 
Amen. Loving God, inspire by your Holy Spirit those who are afraid of losing hope, especially your children for whom we now pray. Give them a fresh vision of your love that they may find again what they fear they have lost. Give them your powerful deliverance through the one who makes all things new, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Giver of all peace, we pray your peace, which passes all understanding for those who are developmentally disabled. Grant that they may always be sustained in love, their gifts honored and their difficulties understood, that none may add to their troubles. We ask this in the name of the one who comforted those who were troubled in mind, Jesus, our Savior. Amen. I'm going to pray a couple of additional prayers for some things that have come to my mind and heart. O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be our strength. By the might of thy Spirit lift us, we pray thee, to thy presence, where we may be still and know that you are God. Through Jesus Christ, amen. Assist us mercifully, O Lord, in these our supplications and prayers, and dispose the way of thy servants towards the attainment of everlasting salvation, that among all the changes and chances of this mortal life, they may ever be defended by thy gracious and ready help. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. O God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we humbly beseech thee for all sorts and conditions of humanity, that thou wouldst be pleased to make thy ways known unto us, thy saving health unto all nations. More especially we pray for thy holy church universal, that it may be so guided and governed by thy good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of your truth, and hold the faith in unity of spirit, in the bond of peace, and in righteousness of life. Finally, we, com we commend to thy goodness all those who are in any ways afflicted or distressed in mind, body, or estate, especially those for whom we have prayed, that it may please thee to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities giving them patience under their sufferings and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Christ's sake. Amen. All right, let's have some conversation about, well, hang on one second. I think I've lost my place. Being sun this being Sunday, let's also pray um, a collect for Sundays. O God, you make us glad with the weekly remembrance of the glorious resurrection of your Son. Give us this day such blessing through our worship of you, that the week to come may be spent in your favor, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's see, and then I'm going to use as the prayer for mission, the prayer attributed to St. Francis. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. 
Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Now let's talk about the readings. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I've got some things to say this morning. So our Psalms this morning talk about God as the creator, right? And that's important to me in the context of our times that we find God in his creation, that it is not, um, I do not espouse a worldview where there, where everything that's in this, in and of this world is worthless and wicked and to be fought against. And the things of heaven are where we fix our mind and strive towards disregarding that that's here. I believe that God is both reigning in the kingdom of heaven and also very much present here on earth. I believe that God created everything, this whole cosmos, this planet, you know, the substances, the atoms, all of it, and that we should seek to find God right where we are. That there is beauty and godliness to be redeemed and restored in the created world. And so our psalm spoke to me a bit about that. Um, yeah, I think I can kind of leave it there um, as far as the psalms go. Now our Old Testament or apocryphal reading, however you want to look at that, um, speaks to it as well. Um, that this created world is the work of the Most High, that great is God who made it. And by God's order, all things are ordered. Everything from the cycle of the moon to the shining of the sun. And that's meaningful for me too. This is is not a very spiritual anecdote, but I'm going to go ahead and share it with you. So when I was living in Alabama, I had a stylist that I really loved, and um, I have struggled throughout my life with like kind of baby hair, very fine and very curly, and um, kind of been distressed over how not thick it was, which made, has made it difficult. I feel like, especially when I'm in uniform, it's always kind of fly away and difficult to keep neat and that sort of thing. And so she suggested that I follow um, a pattern that a couple of her other customers had, which was to cut my hair on harvest days, so days that the moon is waxing towards full. And so I've been doing that. And I'm not sure if it's helpful, but I like patterns and I like seasons and they're meaningful to me. So that's why I've been doing things. And then I had a really wonderful stylist here where we live now who was a kind and wonderful person but could not fit that into her schedule. And she was getting very frustrated at me for my moon schedule. And I have to admit I had some concerns about like, is this kind of like some, you know, weird um, superstitious thing? Well, no. And I think that 
even the small weird ways in which we observe seasons and cycles help keep us connected to the rhythm of God's creation. And I've been learning to stand up for myself lately. And so I kind of stood up for myself and was like, I mean, I don't think I communicated this directly, but I was like, well, I don't have to see her anymore. If she's going to be derisive of something that's my choice, even if it seems weird, then no big deal. Like we can part ways in terms of this and still be friends and still think very highly of each other. It doesn't have to be like an ugly breakup, so to speak. And um, through that, I found a new stylist who has actually been a wonderful presence in my life, who is very respectful of anything that I request, even if it is kind of weird, and who sees using her gift as an act of service to God. She even started a nonprofit where she goes and cuts the hair of the homeless. And I think I might've mentioned this in this conversation before or in this podcast before she goes and um, gives hairstyles and cuts to the homeless in the park. I think I talked about this yesterday even maybe. And so like all of that to say that there is worth in being tuned in to our physical world and also in standing up for ourselves in a polite and respectful way. I want to talk a little bit about verses 27 and 28. We could say more, but could never say enough. Let the final word be, he is the all. Where can we find the strength to praise him? And I would say that this harkens back to our gospel reading from yesterday, where it was Luke 9, 1 through 17, where God, um, as part of that, that reading, it's the miracle of the fishes and loaves, where God takes what cannot possibly be enough, but is all that we have, and makes it not just enough, but in abundance. So I think that lesson echoes here. God will take what we have. We offer God to God everything we have. He will take what we have, which is not enough. And he will make it not just enough, but in abundance. Again, like I said yesterday, God's multiplication is greater than, greater than human math. But human math is the starting place. And it's a reflection of God's divine abundance and power to make, make abundance. I hope that's relatively clear. <laughs> Our New Testament reading. Um, now, this is interesting to me. So we should kind of like back up and say that prior to this particular selection from 1 Timothy, the writer is, is talking about what constitutes an orderly patriarchal Greco-Roman household. And you know... <clears throat> is what I think about that. But what I do want to say is I believe that the perspective of the writer of this and some of the other New Testament passages was that in order for the message of the Christians, the good news, the gospel to be heard, they had to clear some stuff out of the way that was distracting to their audience. And so some of that involved 
in this case, the ordering of the household. Like basically it's like live in a way that does not detract from your message in order that the enemy not be able to use for a distraction those things which are not acceptable to your audience. So like in this case, have an orderly household as defined by the culture in which you live so that that does not cloud the message that you're trying to send. And I've heard this taken up by Christian authors today. There was a devotional that, that somebody gave Jack to, uh, to read that talked about pastors having well-behaved children. Well, quite frankly, folks, I don't think pastors need to have well-behaved children in, in order for us to listen to them. And I will say that there are times in my life when one particular time when one of my pastors of whom I thought very highly overheard a disciplinary conversation between myself and my son, who was at the time about four years old in the hallway. And later on, he, he caught me up and said, Chika, I just want to say that I so appreciate the example you set with your patience and kindness to Jack. I would have really lost my temper with my son if he behaved that way. And his son was a little bit younger than Jack. And so I think that the key is not living for the perception of others insofar as that becomes a place of bondage for us, but rather living in such a way as, lat as yesterday's reading said, that we are not distracting or, or causing the downfall or kind of sucking down with us those around us. And so with everything else, there's a balance, as with everything else, there's a balance and a harmony to be gained there, right? Where we are mindful and compassionate of the trigger points of those around us, but we're also true to ourselves. So for example, I personally am not going to enter into a heterosexual relationship where I am subservient to my husband so that I can please the quote unquote, which I think is a really twisted thing, traditional family values that are prevalent in my Christian culture. I'm going to live my life as a godly, feminist, bisexual Christian out loud because that's kind of where my boundaries and my bottom line are as it comes to the nuclear family. And I think that I think that's valid. And I think that there's still harmony and respect to be found um, in my relation to the culture and world in which I live. And if you've got questions about that, feel free to come to me. I am uh, always willing to talk openly about my experience and my perspective. And I gain a lot from others who are willing to do that with me because it's very hard to experience the world as anything other than what we are. I don't know what it's like to be a, a white heterosexual man in this world, nor do I know what it's like to be a black woman. So I appreciate those perspectives and that truth of their lives that my friends share with me. Now, let's move on to uh, chapter four of 1 Timothy and our readings there. So this is really interesting. Um, talking about those who renounce the faith and pay attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Let's, let's not be judgmental though. Let's not judge because we've all been deceived, right? We have all been deceived 
by the spirits of our institutions. I honestly believe that, that the folks that I'm referencing who think that fa family values mean a man and a woman with the woman subservient to the man and raising their children in that, I believe that they've been deceived. I don't blame them for that. I don't hate them for that. I pray for them and I lovingly and respectfully disagree with them. But deception is not a reflection on the godliness of the person who's been deceived. We have all at one time in our lives been deceived. And it is most often not because we willingly followed there, but because we were fooled. So let's have some compassion for those who have been fooled and for ourselves when we're fooled. Let's expend the energy getting back into a position where we're attuned to and hearing from God and God alone, as opposed to spending time beating others or ourselves up about those times that we've mistakenly followed another voice. There's a phrase here that says, in verse two, the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared with a hot iron. So when you sear something with a hot iron, you cauterize it. Um, a personal anecdote is that when I was a child, I suffered from severe bloody noses often. And I had a medical procedure done where the veins in my nose, some of them were cauterized. So seared with a hot iron so that they would no longer bleed. So I think the metaphor here, at least as I see it, is that the conscience has been cauterized or seared so that it no longer flows. And I think the danger of that in our culture is where we cauterize ourselves to our sensitivity for things that are godly. And that's not the same for everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a particular TV show, well, I'll just call it out, uh, Game of Thrones. I don't watch that show. It's got, for lack of a better way to put it, I'll use the word um, by one of the articles I read about it. It's got some rapey, um, misogynistic, yucky stuff that I just don't feel like watching because I don't want to desensitize myself to that. I don't want to get to the place where my conscience never doesn't flow in those areas or no longer flows in those areas, I think is what I was trying to say, um, because I've desensitized myself to it, because I've cauterized my reactivity to those things. There are some things that I want to stay raw to, that I want to continue to be able to recognize and see is not okay. I don't want to acclimate them. I don't want to desensitize myself to them. So that just, that resonated with me. And then where it talks about things that God has created are holy. So this is held in balance with yesterday's reading where we abstained in order that we wouldn't tempt those around us. But here we're saying also that when we pray over it, it's sanctified. So the analogy I always think of here is um, like bacon. I mean, I think about bacon a lot because I really love bacon. But anyways, that um, some of my Jewish friends don't eat bacon. Well, here's the balance. I'm not going to serve them bacon when they come to my house, nor am I going to cook myself a plate of bacon and eat bacon in front of them. Kind of the same thing with my vegan friends. If I have a vegan friend over for dinner, I'm going to fix us a vegan meal and we're all going to eat the same meal. 
and that is acquiescing to the wishes of my siblings, right? My siblings in Christ or my siblings in humanity, however you want to put that. But also I'm not going to, because they hold that belief, then abstain myself. So let's say that I'm having my friend Julia over for dinner and she's a vegan. She doesn't eat any meat because of her, that's her personal affirmation. I'm going to fix her. She's coming over on Thursday. I'm going to fix her a vegan meal on Thursday. We're going to eat that vegan meal together. I'm not going to also eat vegan on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm going to eat what I want Friday and Saturday and Sunday in the knowledge and belief that it is sanctified by prayer. So that's what I have to say about that. All right, our gospel reading. Okay, this is like my spiritual director's favorite parable. I, I would say that at least 50% of the time, this is what she comes back to in references in our conversations. The weeds and the wheat. What particularly struck me today, and was maybe a little bit of a different twist on the way I've thought about this before, was verse 30. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And something that I think was kind of like an assumed, but is just really pulled to the forefront of my mind today, is that harvest time is the time that that which we have planted comes to maturation. Um, another way of saying it is bears fruit, right? So the advice of a spiritual mentor, different person than my spiritual director, a spiritual mentor of me was in this one case where I thought that there was something not quite right and not quite on the path with God about this one particular practice and teaching that was being espoused by some leadership in my church. Her advice was not to confront it right away, but to pray and to prayerfully observe what fruits this practice bore, because that's the way we truly tell it is is at the time of maturation or as we move toward maturation, we can see what it's coming by what fruit it's bearing. Or in this case, at harvest time, when fully developed, we can tell them, the weeds or the weed or whatever, from each other. And I would add that with God's help, we can identify them and remove the one from the other. So that's my thoughts on the readings for today. I really appreciate you all being here with me this morning. I know this is an extra long one. We're getting extra long because of the prayers for the sick, but I really believe they're important. Um, maybe that's my focus because I'm now chair of the healing team at my church, or maybe it's just because that's where my giftedness lies and that's where my focus is. So please, Feel free to fast forward through them, but right now I'm just really persevering in fervent and extensive prayer for healing. There are a lot of people in my life that have been lifted up to me for prayer, um, either that God has put upon my heart or one of my friends has said, will you please pray for me or pray for this person for me? And so I feel that that is my contribution to, to cooperation with Christ in healing. All right, so that being said, let's close together with the prayer of St. Christotum um, and closing verses on page 102 of the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. 
and you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in God's name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church, and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We live without fear, for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.